Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? I have some good news for you, especially as we move into the holiday season. And that is this. Feasting is good for you. It's good for your spirit. It's good for your metabolism. And it's good for dietary sustainability. You do not have to miss out on all of the holiday goodness or any day goodness for that matter, and worry about gaining weight or blowing your health plan if you know how to work in the feast. And it's what I think makes Feast of Fast so special. I mean, aside from the fact that we use scripture on a daily basis to keep our eyes on Jesus, I mean, that's pretty significant and special. Um, But the dietary special sauce of Feast of Fast is how we learn to feast. How do we enjoy our food? How do we work in our favorites without shame, guilt, or gaining weight. When we look up the definition of feasting, it says to eat and drink sumptuously, to eat large quantities of, or to eat or serve a plentiful and delicious meal. Y'all, I'm really good at this. (laughs) I'm really good at feasting. And I have been, oh goodness, I've been feasting my face off these last few months with the birthdays and our anniversary trip. And I just went on a really awesome Christian women's health retreat, you know, but there's been a lot of delicious grub going down. And what's beautiful is that I haven't felt guilty. You know, I don't shame myself for eating quote unquote off plan because girl, it's planned. I 100% planned to have shrimp and grits and chips and guacamole and enchiladas and espresso martinis and creme brulee when I was in Taos. Yes, I ate all of that and more (laughs) over four days. And when I was at this resort in Tucson uh, for the Exodus retreat I went on, I, that first night we were in the dining room and I asked about the dessert menu before I even ordered dinner. I knew what I was getting for dessert before I knew what I was having for dinner. Uh, Creme brulee, because anytime creme brulee is on the menu, I'm getting it for sure. You know, and I don't freak out that I'm going to gain a bunch of weight. My weight has stayed steady for the last 10 years. And actually, as I've shared with you, it's shifted down here and there because of the gut protocols that I've done. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I feel my absolute best when I'm eating 
like this. You know, anytime I'm up in the sugar, the alcohol, the more processed carbohydrates, I'm not in tip top. You know, I'm more bloated, more sluggish. My skin takes a hit. You know, it's not without consequences. When you splurge, you feel it. But I know that for me, I have to be able to let loose sometimes and not beat myself up about it. I love food. I love the fellowship of food, whether it's an anniversary celebration, a night out with my girlfriends, a holiday feast, or just, you know, a weeknight dinner around the table with my family. And I can't, in good conscience, pretend that I don't eat this way. Even though as a nutritionist, it would probably be more responsible for me to advise people to eat 100% real foods all of the time. And by all means, my goodness, please do that. If you're doing that, just go on with that (laughs) because that is the ideal way to eat real food 100% of the time. But that's not my real life. And maybe it's not your real life either. And what I discovered over the years of working with clients one-on-one is that people don't adhere to a pristine diet all of the time. And why would I expect them to? I don't. It's just not real life. And you set yourself up for failure if you don't learn to eat in a way that works with your real life. I'm not saying that you don't ever have to go through a season when you're keeping things really tight, you know, with a a therapeutic dietary approach or supplementary protocol. But for long-term sustainability, you have got to find a way where real food meets real life. I've taken a lot of people through sugar detoxes over the years, and I have my ebook called The Sugar Detox for Christians, where you can lead yourself through the sugar detox, and it has the daily devotionals that go with it and stuff. But the sentiment I kept getting was, that was great, but now what? I did the sugar detox, but now what? Because, I mean, obviously I can't eat like that for the rest of my life (laughs) in sugar detox mode. And I realized If I don't give people the tools to be able to work in some of the less than healthy favorite foods, some of the time, they're going to be perpetual yo-yo dieters. So bottom line, I needed to help people learn how to incorporate junky food into their life. (laughs) And you know what? They don't teach you that in nutrition school. And honestly, I kind of have struggled with this professionally because I'm like, Am I the worst nutritionist on the planet if I teach people how to eat cookies and macaroni and cheese? (laughs) Maybe, you know, and what are my colleagues thinking about this? You know, that I'm completely irresponsible, that I'm giving people permission to eat unhealthy. Am I breaking some holistic health bro code by doing this? You know, lots of things run through my mind. Um, But, you know, I like to manage my mind. And ultimately, I just, you know, cannot pretend that I eat 100% real, 100% of the time. Yes, I am a nutritionist, but I am also a mom who likes to bake and a friend who likes happy hour and a daughter who likes to host holiday meals and a wife who likes to let loose on her anniversary. And I don't want to feel like that's wrong or that I have failed or that my body is so fragile or damaged that it can't handle it. So that is how Feast of Fast was born. I needed an answer to, okay, what's next? How do I eat in the long term? you know, and like I said, they don't teach you that in nutrition school, but I put all of my professional knowledge alongside of my real life personal experience and, you know, how I make it work. I have my nutrition hat on and my real person hat on, and now we have Feast of Fast, and I feel like the special piece of that is teaching the feast. 
Now you might be thinking, uh, I'm already really good at feasting <laughs> and that is the problem. And I hear you. Most Americans and most of the world are in perpetual feast mode. We're eating too much, too junky, too often. We are overfed and undernourished. And that's a really interesting dichotomy that I want you to think about. The average person is overfed. They get plenty of food. And I'm going to use that term food loosely here. Let's say they get plenty of calories, plenty of energy, plenty of fuel. Remember that calories are just a measure of energy. And that energy is fuel for our bodies. Okay. So people might get plenty of that, but they are undernourished, meaning they don't get the nutrition they need. They're, you know, the amino acids, the fatty acids, the vitamins and the minerals that their body must have to function well. It's like filling your Ferrari with cheap ethanol instead of the premium stuff. You know, it will run. It just ain't going to run right. It's got fuel, but not the fuel that really makes the engine go vroom, vroom, you know? So that's number one. You've got to get put good fuel in the engine. Our bodies can handle feasting with some of these less than healthy foods some of the time, but not all the time. We've got to lay the foundation of nutrition. And so week one of Feast to Fast is our real foods sugar detox week where we reset our bodies. You know, we flood it. We saturate it with amino acids, fatty acids, vitamins, and minerals from our real food choices. We're not using supplements um, during Feast to Fast. I don't even like people to use protein powder, honestly, in those first few weeks. Collagen, yes, you know, and you can get some protein from that. But I really like people to seek out whole food forms of protein, meat, fish, eggs, because those will fill you up and satiate you. You know, protein shakes might help you get in some protein, but they are not satiating like a knife and fork food that you have to chew and your body has to break down. It's a whole different experience for your body. Also in that first week, we're resetting our taste receptors and our pleasure receptors. You know, we kind of have to wash out the party in the mouth and the party in the brain to get our bodies back in tune with real food. So week one is like my sugar detox week, but then we start changing things. And throughout the whole program, we're managing our carbohydrate load. Okay. This is a biggie because let's face it, most feasting is usually about eating carbohydrates. You know, nobody's celebrating with birthday chicken. And when we think of carbs, most of us think of what I call the heck yeah carbs, right? The ones that we're feasting on a lot of the time, but that aren't necessarily good for us, like the cookies, the macaroni and cheese, the chips, the ice cream, the booze. But those aren't the only carbs in our lives. You know, broccoli is a carb, apples a carb, oatmeal is a carb, quinoa is a carb, sweet potatoes are a carb. And those are a lot better for you than the heck yeah carbs, you know, but all of these fall under the carb category. And so what happens is most people grossly underestimate the amount of carbs they eat, which creates blood sugar dysregulation in the body and prevents them from being an efficient fat burner. You know, the overall carb load is too high and they're not getting enough of the real food carbs, which provide those essential nutrients that contribute to a healthy foundation of the body. So, you know, generally speaking, carbs aren't the bad guy. You just have to approach them with intention and discernment. And so that's what we're doing at Feast to Fast. We break down the carbs into three categories, real food carbs, whole food carbs, and heck yeah carbs. And we systematically work through and layer in each level. We also use fasting to balance out the feasting. There is no better antidote to a feast than a fast. 
feasting and fasting patterns have been a part of our natural eating cycle for thousands and thousands of years. Historically, people naturally feasted during times of harvest, hunting, holidays, and special celebration. And other times they fasted due to low food availability or as an intentional spiritual and detoxification practice. And in our modern society, we are so out of touch with this, with this kind of ancient rhythm of feasting and fasting. And this defies our body's natural instinct and capability to be metabolically flexible. God made our bodies miraculously and purposefully adaptable to both conditions and our bodies actually thrive on the variation. It's what keep our bodies, you know, our body on its toes and not becoming overly stuck in one metabolic mode, just, you know, like just burning sugar or just burning fat. Feasting and fasting creates metabolic flexibility. And so during Feast of Fast, we kind of mimic this ancient approach um, by using the techniques of carbohydrate manipulation, which includes feasting and intermittent fasting to boost metabolic flexibility, which is the sweet spot for your metabolism. The goal is to create a foundation of fat burning while layering in carbohydrates in order to boost hormone and metabolic function. Now, quite honestly, you can figure out how to do fasting on your own. I mean, intermittent fasting is not rocket science. You know, there are tons of books on and online resources about how to do it. In fact, I have all of my coaches in training for Feast to Fast read The Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Jason Fung. It is on my uh, favorite book recommendations list on my website. If you haven't seen that, I put a lot of my favorite books on there. Um, but in general, I hope you know by now how, you know, how beneficial fasting is for your body And the thing is, it's easy to implement and it's free. (laughs) It's so fabulous. And, you know, so just basically in a nutshell, if you fast, if you don't eat for 12 to 16 hours between dinner and breakfast, you're going to see some good results. And the longer you fast, the closer you get to a 16 hour intermittent fast on a regular basis, the more benefits uh, you will get and the faster you will get them. Now, I average 14-hour fast, but I don't do the same exact fast every day. And the beauty of fasting is that most of it happens while you're sleeping. I think a lot of people fear fasting because they're like, I'm going to starve all day. But most of it's happening while you're asleep. You just kind of, you know, play off that and work off that. And so it, it can be very easy to incorporate. Now, sure, there are a lot of nuances when it comes to fasting. And I feel a lot of questions about it when we do feast to fast, you know, like, does putting cream in my coffee break a fast? Do I work out before or after my fast? I've talked about those things here, you know, and I have information on my website. And there's information in lots of places. And we absolutely do go through those things in feast to fast. Um, And there are definitely deeper dives you can take when it comes to fasting, both educationally and in application. And we cover, cover some of that in feast to fast, like autophagy, you know, the science of cellular cleansing. And we do a super fast in the last week where each person extends their fasting time um, a little bit more than they've already done just to kind of, you know, push themselves a little and just lean more into the Lord during that super fast. And so we do, you know, go a little bit deeper um, with that in feast to fast. But generally speaking, fasting is not really the tricky part. It's the feasting that's tricky, right? Because that's what trips us up. And that, like I said, that usually comes back to the carbs. But part of managing your carb load is building in time for the feast. Think of it like this. We plan our intermittent fasting 
and we can also plan our intermittent feasting. Intermittent means stopping and starting at intervals, you know, periodic. We don't fast all the time and we don't feast all the time. Sometimes we feast and sometimes we fast. Sometimes we eat more and sometimes we eat less. Sometimes we fast more than usual. Sometimes we eat more than usual. It's okay. These are the eating rhythms of our lives. Can we all just take a deep sigh of relief? (laughs) That this is normal, that this is okay, that you're not a bad person if you blow it out here and there. We just can't be in feast mode all the time because it's hard on a body. Just like we can't be in fast mode all of the time because it's hard on a body. But once we've established and learned to manage our everyday carb load and have made fasting part of our everyday health plan, then we can punctuate it, do some exclamation marks, you know, with some feasts. And for the most part, like I said, we're talking about the carbs, you know, feasting can be, can mean just more food overall in general. But I'm thinking for most people, that means carbs, you know, and that's okay. Because you know what, a little extra jolt of carbs intermittently can actually be somewhat comforting to the body. Carbs are a quick source of energy. You know, remember that the body burns the sugar first, it's a lot easier for the body to burn sugar first, and it has to burn through most of the sugar before it can start burning fat. But once you're metabolically flexible and you're burning both sugar and fat well, like a hybrid car switching back and forth between fuel sources, a little extra flood of carb fuel here and there can rev up your engine. Man, I'm full of the car metaphors today, huh? But, you know, way back when, when food was more scarce, a feast, a jolt of these more sumptuous foods reassured the body that there was plenty of food in the world. You know, our body is always working in relation to creation, picking up cues about what's happening, um, especially when it comes to energy. And when the body senses there's not enough food, there's not enough energy, it adjusts accordingly. And one thing it does is slow down metabolism to conserve energy because food is fuel. It is energy for the body. And if you're not getting enough, you know, and this can happen if you're going too low calorie for too long, whether that's on purpose Um, or because there's literally not enough food, your body is designed to compensate to keep you alive. We were never meant to undereat or overeat indefinitely, you know, and our bodies are wired to keep tabs on this energy availability. And so a feast here and there when it's not your norm, because you're not perpetually feasting, right? But when you're kind of punctuating with, with it, it just gives your body a little, a little reassurance like, oh, all is right in the world. There is plenty of food. This gives your adrenal glands, your stress glands, you know, it gives, it gives them the warm fuzzies like, oh, that feels good. <laughs> like, woo, at least we don't have to stress over food supply. You know, being too low carb can be stressful to the adrenals. And so like in Feast of Fast, we're not super low carb, we're more moderate. And then we give the body that little extra jolt here and there, where we purposefully increase, we feast purposefully and smartly and with intention. And that can be a good sign for the body. Carbs can also be important for thyroid function. Now this can vary because I've seen people go straight up carnivore and improve thyroid function and others who go too low carb and their thyroid crashes. So I'll always add the caveat of bio-individuality when it comes to all this, but I would say generally speaking, a moderate carb level is healthy for the thyroid. 
And again, a little spike here and there tells the body that there's plenty of energy to use and to allocate for all the body's needs. Carbs also can help regulate leptin signaling. Remember, leptin is the put down the fork sister hormone. It's what says stop eating, you're full. It communicates to the brain how much energy is available. So when leptin falls, the brain's like, oh, we're low on energy. And so this will signal hunger and energy conservation, meaning let's slow down the metabolism. We've got to conserve some energy till there's, you know, more food available. Now, when leptin is high, the brain's like, oh, we're good on energy. There's plenty. We can burn some. And leptin is quite sensitive to carbohydrates. So again, if you're managing your carb load well on a regular basis and then punctuating it here and there with some feasts, it's just going to really help keep that leptin regulated nicely. So carbs are not the bad guy, you know, and neither are you for eating them. Are there ones that are better for you? Absolutely. Can our bodies handle some of the less than stellar carbs some of the time if we're eating well most of the time? Absolutely. One of the scripture verses that I used in the holiday round of Feast of Fast, this one coming up, is from John 7, 8, when Jesus says, you go up to the feast. I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. And I remind my feast of fasters. It's kind of a heavy verse, but I, I use it in, in a little bit of a lighter way just by re- reminding my feast of fasters that even though everybody around you is going into feast mode starting about now, you know, basically from Halloween to the new year, people just throw in the towel and holiday eat for two months straight. And that's why studies show that the majority of weight that people gain happens right here at the end of the year. But that's not what we're doing, my friend. Mm-mm. I tell my feast of fasters, repeat after Jesus. My time has not yet come. We don't feast for too much straight. You know, we feast intermittently. We're purposeful about it. We're not grazing on holiday food for the next two months. We are choosy and discerning about our feasts. We go when it's time. We lay the foundation of premium fuel for our bodies. We fast and then girl, we feast and we enjoy the heck out of it. Heck yeah. I'll never forget one of the most rewarding comments, testimonials, feedback, whatever you want to call it, that I got from one of my earliest clients in Feast of Fasters, Sue. I think I told y'all this last year, but I always think of her at this time of the year because she said, I remember her saying for the first time in so many years, she actually enjoyed her Thanksgiving meal. She was not in mind drama over it. You know, she enjoyed what she ate. She was intentional about it, but she ate what she wanted. You know, one of the major principles that we apply when it comes to feasting is that it needs to be a heck, heck yeah worthy. You know, you don't want to be wasting your carb load on something that you're just kind of you know, about like you could take it or leave it. No girl, it needs to be heck yeah worthy, you know? And if the sweet potatoes and the dressing and the pie and the gravy are all heck yeah worthy, go for it, (laughs) you know? And that's fine. She ate all of her favorites at Thanksgiving without mind drama and shaming, you know, she didn't have mind drama about it. She feasted. And then she got back to her normal everyday way of eating that we do in feast to fast. She didn't let that that feast, that bigger meal, that kind of overindulgence, she didn't let it spin her out of control or, th- you know, let her throw in the towel for the rest of the holiday season. And that's what I want for you, my friend. I want you to have that kind of food piece, you know, this holiday season and through all seasons. You have got to find an eating approach that works well for you in real life. Your eating approach should not look different in January than it does right now. Are you hearing me on that? 
5K. Remember the podcast I did last year at this time called Six Thoughts That Lead You to Yo-Yo Dieting? That was episode 85. If you haven't listened to it, go listen. You're going to think I got right in your brain. (laughs) Um, But two of the most common of those thoughts are start with I'll start when or I'll start after. If you're telling yourself right now, I'll start after the holidays. Now is not the time, you know, I'll start after. Then I'm going to bet you are still wandering the yo-yo diet wilderness, okay? Your lifestyle of eating should include times for feasting. That needs to be built in so that you do not feel like a failure over and over. Planning feasts on purpose takes away that whole deprivation, I can't ever have that again situation, right? Which cuts through the mind drama. Bye-bye. Feasting is good for you, my friend. It is good for your spirit. It is good for your metabolism. It is good for dietary sustainability. Please don't wait till January. I mean, I'll be feasting and fasting then too, because that's what I'm always doing. But I'm also doing it right now. And I'm going to be teaching Feast of Fast starting at the beginning of November. Come feast with us. Come fast with us. Come keep your eyes on the Lord through the holiday season. Okay, I'd love to have you in our new home that is not on Facebook. (laughs) It is working out so beautifully. And it makes me so happy. I've had so many people say I've wanted to do Feast of Fast, but I didn't want to be on Facebook. And so I just know this is this has been a move in the right direction. But of course, it has because the Lord never leads you wrong, right? So if you want to join us, you can go to feastoffast.co. We start at the beginning of November. And I would love to have you. All right, my friend, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.